Good morning. Praise the Lord, church. Our scripture will be read from Psalm 67, chapter 67. So if you turn with me, I'll be reading verses 1 through 7. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Salah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Salah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. May God bless this reading of the word. Amen. Thank you, Tina. God bless you. We say that, don't we? We say, God bless you. We say, have a blessed day. And I think, you know, everyone, everyone wants to be blessed, right? Lots of ways. We want to be blessed with the birth of a, of a new child or a graduation or a child getting married or blessed with a good job or good health. We really want to be blessed in all of life, whether it's our relationships, whether it's our career and church life and life and death and eternity, we want to be blessed. I was looking online and uh, on Instagram, there are 126 million posts with the hashtag blessed. When we say God bless you, we're reminding ourselves of something very important and that is, it is God is the one who blesses. He is the subject. He is the one acting. This morning, we're going to continue our study in the Psalms. We've been in the Psalms all summer. And if you're with us for the first time or if you're with us online, we're glad you're here. And so we're in Psalm 67. And Psalm 67 is a psalm that talks about blessing, as you just heard it read. And I want to just begin by way of introduction to just point out a couple of interesting aspects of the blessing we see here in Psalm 67. And so first I want to mention just how it is that God blesses us. Look at verse 1 again. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. How does God bless us? He blesses us through his grace. Uh, grace is the basis of blessing, an undeserved expression of God's love towards his children. But he also blesses us by making his face shine upon us. And when you hear that, I want you to think about his face shining upon us as being an expression of God's presence in our lives. God is present. God is with us. And that is a blessing. So, but the ultimate blessings in life come from, from knowing God through being reconciled to him, through his grace. 
and knowing that he is with us and he will never leave us. So that's one interesting aspect of the blessing. The second, as we see in verse 2, the second aspect is the purpose of that blessing. Again, look at verse 2. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. This is the purpose clause. God blesses us so that through us we can bless the nation, so the nations may know him. The blessing that God gives was never meant just to rest on Israel alone, but to go out from them to the Gentiles, to all the peoples of the earth. And this idea of of being blessed so that we could bless others, so that we could bless the nations, is this is not a new idea that we read about here in the Psalms. It actually goes back all the way to Genesis chapter 12. And I'd like you to just to look there with me for a minute. Genesis chapter 12, the first three verses, which is the call of Abram. I'm going to read those for us. And as I read it, listen to this idea of blessing and then the purpose of that blessing. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Right away here we see that God has promised Abraham, he's promised to bless him. And he's going to do that through giving him a family that he's going to turn into a great nation by giving him a great name. God blessed Abraham, though, for a purpose. And again, we see this purpose clause here. God blessed Abraham so that he could be a blessing to others. Bless to be a blessing. And the ultimate expression of this blessing is found in the last phrase of, of verse 3 of, of Genesis 12. where And this remi- should remind us very much of Psalm 67. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Just like in Psalm 67, God's saying, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. But it's not just meant for you alone. It's to extend from you to all the families of the earth, to all the nations. For each of us as believers, we have been blessed. God has blessed us, but he also blesses us with a purpose to share that blessing with others. We have been blessed to be a blessing. This morning, I want us to think about, from this psalm, three ways that we can be a blessing to others, three ways that we can bless the nations. So let's think about how we can bless the nations with our wisdom, with our wealth, and with our witness. Those three ways. Let's begin by thinking about we bless the nations with our wisdom. Again, looking back at verse 2, the psalmist writes, that your way may be known on the earth, your way being God's way. When we think about God's way, we might immediately jump to the way of salvation. 
And, and I think that's a good thought, but I, I think the psalmist has in mind something broader than that here. He's thinking about, I think, who God is and just how God works uh, in the world. So as we think about how God works in the world, one of the ways he's worked in the world is by creating us. And he's created us in God's image, in his own image. And we, as image bearers, are called to demonstrate God's ways to the world. When I say we bless the nations with our wisdom, I know immediately our minds probably jump to thinking wisdom and knowledge. I want us to think broader that, though, than just knowledge. Um, think about this as applying the fear of God to all of life. As image bearers, where each of us are uniquely created in God's image. We're created uh, with passions, passions that are guided by his word. Uh, but those passions are meant are given to us so that we can bless others. Think about those passions. Think about your life experiences. Think about the professional skills that you might have. Think about any gifts or talents that you might have. I believe God wants to use all of those things to be a blessing to the nations. When we were working in China for 20 years, we had a lot of people come out to help us. And over those 20 years, we saw a lot of just ordinary people be used by God. People that you wouldn't describe as especially gifted or talented or famous, anything like that, but just ordinary people whose lives have been changed and used whatever gifts or skills they had uh, to be a blessing to the nations. And this morning, as we think about this, I want to remind us of some of the ways I've seen you be a blessing to the nations. Um, one simple way is just through loving your neighbor, loving other people. I'm thinking about the flood in West Virginia in 2016 where a number of people in this church on a day's notice got in a car and drove up there to help people they'd never met before begin to, to dig out and get their life back in order. I'm thinking about people like Mac Barnes, Mike Demichowski, Chuck Flutie, Josh Glaze, Jimmy Goad, Paul Langston, Lee Metz, Dennis Mizak, Peggy Phillips, Derek Roth, Jason Silling, Lois Spradlin, Jay and Michelle Sublet, and Issa Thompson. I'm thinking about those of you that responded to Hurricane Maria in 2017 and went to Puerto Rico to help that nation, that island, um, a part of our nation, begin to recover. I'm thinking about Paula Giamona, Matt Hamilton, Mark and Patty Holman, Barry Johnson, Jim and Jody Moore, Shirley Knoll, Zach Shim, W.C. Wilkerson, Michael Wu. I'm thinking about those of you that went to Greece to help the refugees that have been fleeing Syria, uh, the war-torn country there, and you sat in refugee camps and hot tents and drank tea and built relationships with people and shared the gospel. I'm thinking about Linda Dudley and Kathy Aldridge and a host of others. 
I'm thinking about all of you, the hundreds of you literally that have served through our free yard sale, through our Serve Roanoke Week, who have gotten on a hot church bus and driven up to Boston to be a part of Serve Medford. Your love of neighbor, love of people has been a blessing to the nations. I'm also thinking about the professional skills and gifting that you have and how those have been used to bless the nations. These are skills that have been entrusted to you. God has blessed you with them and he wants to use them to bless the nations. Thinking about Rob Eanes, who's used his carpentry and construction skills to help renovate a Redeeming Grace Church in Puerto Rico and many others that helped. Thinking about Carrie Robinson and Russ Delaney, who have used their skills as an eye surgeon and pediatrician to be a blessing to the people of Mexico and the Dominican Republic. Thinking about everybody that's been to El Salvador, but especially right now, Susan Stanley and Jean Eckert, who taught church, uh, churches there in El Salvador how better to do children's ministry there. Thinking about Joyce Tennant using her skills on the piano to teach a little girl to play the piano in, in Puerto Rico so that she could one day help her lead her church in worship. Thinking about Jocelyn Austin and the host of others at our church who uh, have taught ESL, English as a Second Language, here at the church on Sunday nights to recent immigrants into the Roanoke Valley, not just to better their English skills, but help them in life and share the gospel with them. I'm thinking about many people that helped renovate our mission house, the Bonhoeffer House over here. Um, people use their skills and gifting and time. Jay Jones, Jim Moore, Mark Holbin, and a host of others who gave many hours. Thinking about those that helped with the outfitting and decorating of the house to make it a beautiful and welcoming space. Uh, Paula Robinson, Judy Lamphere, a number of Bible study classes that helped with that. I've also seen the value of teaching the Bible overseas. You may not realize this, but you are very unique among the people of the world in that for most of you, you have grown up in church. You've been here your whole life. You've been hearing the Bible taught in Sunday school from a young age. You've been here week after week hearing the Bible taught, hearing the Word of God preached. You have a lot of Bible knowledge, but there are many places in the world where the gospel is just beginning to take root. And as a result, everybody there is a first-generation believer. They didn't grow up in church hearing the Bible preached week after week. And so your knowledge of the Word can make a huge difference, a huge impact on the nations. Thinking about John Aldridge and Jay Jones who went to Africa and taught the Bible to church leaders there. Many, many more of you I could have mentioned. This was just a representation. The way you have used the things God has entrusted to you to be a blessing to the nations. So thank you. God has uniquely gifted and made each of us. 
still, even with these examples, some of you may be thinking, I have nothing to offer. And if you're thinking that, I want to tell you, not only are you wrong in thinking that, because you do have something to offer, I think you're also offending the God who made you in his image to think you have nothing to offer. You do. And it's not because you're a wonderful person or you're great or you're talented or you've hold an American passport. It's because you're created in God's image. You're an image bearer. You have something to offer. You're a reflection of that image of God, imperfect though it may be. We bless the nations with our wisdom. We also bless the nations with our wealth. Uh, many scholars see this psalm as a kind of thanksgiving song where uh, giving thanks for a good harvest. Look, look again at verse 6. The psalmist writes, The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. As you're probably aware, you know, Israel was primarily an agrarian society. Um, their economy rose and fell on the harvest. A good harvest meant not only they have food to eat, but it also meant they could continue to grow and prosper. So the harvest was their wealth, and so they prayed and asked God for a good harvest, and they thanked him uh, when he blessed them. But look at the next verse. Let me read 6 and 7 this time. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. There is a direct connection here between God blessing them with a good harvest and the ends of the earth fearing him. They were connecting that blessing to them again being a blessing to the nations. God blessed them with a good harvest so they could bless others. God blesses us with wealth so that we can be a blessing to the nations. Some of you may be thinking, when you hear me talk about wealth, you may think, you know, I'm not a wealthy person. Um, we always tend to think that, don't we? That someone wealthy is just someone with a little more money than we have. Or, or if I just had a little more, I could really be generous. But the real truth is we're wealthy even by the world's definitions. Let this sink in a minute. If you make... $49,802 in income a year, which is the average income in the U.S., you earn more money than 99% of the world's population. If your family earns $23,050 per year, which is the poverty line in the U.S., you're in the top 19% of the world's richest people. More than half of the world's population lives below the internationally defined poverty line of $2 a day. We in this country are the richest church in the history of the world. Monetarily, we're stewards of a level of wealth that the vast majority of people in the world can only dream about. Compared to most, we've won the lottery. 
simply by being born in this land of opportunity. Randy Alcorn reminds us in his book, The Treasure Principle, how we should think about money, how we think about money and possessions isn't just important, it's central to our spiritual lives. Do we really believe that God owns everything and we are merely his steward? I want to make this really practical this morning. First, let me just begin by saying, before I give you two, two practical ways you can bless the nations with your wealth, let me just say thank you for your faithful giving. When you give each Sunday to the church, over 16% of that, your offering goes to missions. So simply by giving, you're already supporting missions. So thank you. Let me give you two additional ways, two concrete ways we can bless the nations with our wealth. Uh, number one, give generously to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year, which supports the Southern Baptist International Mission Board work all over the world. Since 1845, the IMB has partnered with churches to send missionaries to take the gospel to those who haven't heard. The primary way that work is funded is through this offering. As of the end of last month, uh, the IMB supported, has sent 3,582 missionaries currently serving on the field. These missionaries have engaged 1,209 people groups, unreached people groups and cities in the past year. As remarkable as those numbers are, there's still a lot of work to be done. 4.5 billion people on this earth are still considered unreached today, meaning they are not a believer, and in most cases they have little or no access to hearing the gospel. In addition, there are still hundreds of ethno-linguistic people groups in the world that in addition to be considered unreached, they would also be considered unengaged, which means there's nobody there sharing the gospel with them. There's no active strategy to share the gospel with them. So as wonderful as having over 3,500 missionaries serving around the world is, more are needed. And the way to send more is to have the funding to support them. The International Mission Board's operating budget, over 60% of it is funded by the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Last year, we at CSBC gave $25,732 to this offering. As impressive as that sounds, it's actually less than $50 per active church member. As I've challenged you in the past, I'm going to do it again. Make the biggest Christmas gift you give this year be to the Lottie Moon to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. For Steph and I, the largest gift we give each year at Christmas is to this offering. In fact, many times more than the monetary amount of any other gift we give. If 
we all supported this offering like I know we can. Together, we could make a huge impact. If each giving unit, if each family in this church were to give $500, we could send over $150,000 a year to the IMB. That would be enough to support two full-time missionaries per year with money to spare. I know we normally talk about this in December, but let me just encourage you, don't wait to December to begin thinking about this. Talk about it together now as a family. Begin to set aside money now. So when Christmas comes and you're thinking about uh, other gifts you're buying, the money will already be there. Together, we can bless the nations with our wealth. Let me give you a second concrete way we can do this, and that is to support our K-Spring Baptist Church missions endowment. Last year as a church, we established this endowment. It's a fund dedicated to the work of missions to support things like disaster relief, church planting, church revitalization, taking the gospel all over the earth to, the, to those who haven't heard. As with any endowment, uh, the idea is that you don't spend the principal, you just spend the income off of that, thus ensuring that this endowment will continue to support the work of missions until Jesus returns. The primary way we hope to see this endowment funded is through, through legacy or planned giving. So I'd encourage you, talk to your spouse, talk to your family about adding this endowment to your will. Several of our families here at CSBC have already added this to their wills. Think of the internal impact we could make of a church if, if all of us did that. Of course, I understand you want to leave uh, something to your, to your family, to your children. Uh, Steph and I certainly do. But we're going we're gonna to give 10% of whatever's left uh, when we leave this earth to this endowment. If you want more information about how this works, how the endowment is set up, or how you can do this as a family, uh, you could talk to Jay Sublett. He's the chairman of our stewardship committee, and he'd be glad to talk more about that with you. So we've blessed the nations with our wisdom, with our wealth, and finally, with our witness. This all makes it clear that the goal is that all peoples praise God. Verse 3 and verse 5 are the same. Let me just read verse 3 to you. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. How does that happen? How are all the peoples of the earth going to praise God? Especially when you think about some that have never heard. How will that happen? It happens as people go and tell them the gospel. They must hear the good news. Though looking at the beauty of creation and thinking to yourself, there must be a creator behind that, will help point someone towards God unless they know who that creator God is, that isn't enough to be saved. Or having a knowledge that we're all fallen and broken and need someone to rescue us from ourselves can help point someone to God. Unless they know who that Savior is, it's not enough. They need someone to tell them, 
to share the good news uh, with them. We bless the nations with our witness. Last Sunday, Pastor Pete talked to us about telling our story. Each of us as a believer has a story to tell, right? A story of how we turned to God, how we cried out to him when we recognized our need and how we put our faith in him and how he began to change us. He heard our prayer and worked in our life. We are called to be a witness of the good news found only in Christ. And central to all our mission efforts is a verbal proclamation of the gospel, like telling your story. Demonstrating the gospel through good works is a good thing. We want to share the gospel in, in word and deed, but if we only do good works and we don't get to the story of Christ and what he came to do, it will not be enough. We need to share the gospel verbally. That's the only way we can address the biggest need of every person on earth, and that's to be reconciled to God. On Wednesday, we said goodbye to Hayden Furrow. His funeral was truly a worship service. We worship the God that he loved. But it was also a celebration of a life lived to the fullest. Hayden has been recognized in many ways for his service, his sacrifice in World War II. He was awarded the Purple Heart. He was awarded the Bronze Star. He was knighted by the French government for his service to their country. But if you knew Hayden, and I know many of you do, you knew his greatest passion was to share the gospel with the nations. He made, I don't know, countless mission trips overseas. I hope we can go back and figure out how many it was. But dozens and dozens of mission trips overseas. When he retired, he spent decades taking the gospel to the nations. I think I'm right in this, that he was 88 years old when he made his last overseas mission trip. Hayden was a hero, but not just a war hero. Hayden was a gospel hero. He loved Jesus, and his greatest passion was making Jesus famous among the nations. I wish I had an upcoming mission trip that I could promote to you at this time. Unfortunately, because of the global pandemic, we're, we're not able to go to the nations right now. That won't always be the case. Until we can go again, I want you to remember that the nations are all around you. We can't go to them, but they are coming to us. They're your neighbors. They're your coworkers. They may be your doctor or the person at the checkout line at Kroger. They're your children's classmates. The nations are here. They're among us, and they're people in need of the gospel. We will go again. We will go on mission trips again. But whether we go to the nations 
or we share with the nations around us, with our neighbors next door, we are called to be a witness. God has a place for you uniquely to use your skills and gifting and passions to share. We also have a stewardship of the resources entrusted to us to make an impact among the nations. And most importantly, we've been empowered. We've been empowered with the good news, with a gospel to share to reach the nations. The next time you say, God bless you, think about that short three-word prayer. Remember that it's God is the one who does the blessing. But let's do it different next time. Can, can we do it different next time? Will that be okay? Could we say, God bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations? You want to freak some people out this week? Next time you hear them sneeze, just say, God bless you so you can be a blessing to the nations. In fact, let's do that right now. Turn to someone beside you and say that to them. Say, God bless you so you can be a blessing to the nations. All right, let's, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you that you have blessed us. Lord, we recognize that all blessings in life come from you. We thank you for that. We give you praise for the many, many ways you've blessed us. Lord, we also recognize that that blessing comes with a responsibility. You have entrusted us to use the blessing you've given us to bless others, to take those unique things, those unique ways that you have created us in your image to help reach the nations, to use the resources that you've entrusted to us to be a blessing to the nations and for us to be a witness, to verbally tell the story, your good news to the nations. Lord, thank you for these reminders this morning from your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.